welcome to our very special second episode of the Sports Map Podcast, where we are talking all things sports medicine, physiotherapy, rehabilitation, and return to performance. Today, we have a very special guest, all the way from Spain, Jordan Menaguccia. Jordan is regarded as a world-leading expert in the space of hamstring injury rehabilitation. He is the previous head of physiotherapy and rehabilitation of Athletic Club de Bilbao in Spain. He has also worked as an injury consultant for clubs such as Barcelona FC and Benficio. Jordan is the current director of Zentrum Sport, a world-class amateur and elite athletic training facility in Spain. And of course, in addition to his clinical work, he is a prolific international researcher with over 43 publications, primarily on hamstring injury prevention and rehabilitation. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you, Nick, for your presentation. And nice to have you in front. Thank you, and fantastic to have you here, mate. Why don't we get started? Um, and just a sort of general question I'd like to ask. Why don't you tell us why you like working in professional sport or working with elite athletes and, and doing what you do, basically? Okay, difficult question. I don't know if I like or not. And look, they are not too different from normal people, but... It's true that surrounded by a lot of noise, you know? But it's like a drag. Despite being hard and having a lot of pressure, uh, finally, if you get it and you rehab them, it gives you a great satisfaction. But it's very hard to have all the people look around you. Even that it's hard, like I say, it's like a, like a drag. I need it. I need to feel this pressure. So the pressure that you get in your work, you enjoy that, it makes you perform to your best and get the best results, you'd say? Yeah, it's the main difference with uh, if you compare with normal people. You have the same commitment, but around you there are a lot of ice. You know, you have the coach, uh, you have the responsibility with the player, with the club, with the doctors, and... Uh, if you sum all of these things, uh, it makes you uh, work in a hard environment, you know, because you have the pressure and you don't want to disappoint anyone, especially first the player. Jordan, we're very much looking forward to having you out in Australia for a couple of masterclass events held in Sydney and Melbourne on the 3rd of February and then again on the 9th of February in Melbourne at the Essen Football Club. Shorthand, what can we expect to hear from you at these events? Basically, what I do on a daily basis, that is not a, another thing to, that to deal with uh, difficult cases in athletes with hamstring and quad injuries or groin injuries too. In addition, I'm, I'm excited to show new, new ideas and data from our research group. And look, Nick, I'm very fortunate to, to belong to our research group composed of very different profiles like sport medicine doctors, biomechanists, stress and conditioning with very different profiles, like mathematical profile, more biomechanical or more field profile, physiotherapists, what overall, in my opinion, allows to have a richer and wider perspective around these complex injuries. I'm fleeing or running away from unique approaches or, approaches or solutions, okay? I'm pretty excited to to present new practical ideas too, in both hamstring and quads, 
And the most important idea that I will try to share is to learn to individualize according to the type of injury, athlete, and, char and characteristics in respect to the injury he suffered, and give the athletes what they need in the particular cases. I think that is one of the weaknesses of the literature, like uh, try to give recipes, an exercise, or a number, that it's okay when you are in your office, on Twitter, uh, with no responsibilities or any pressure from a coach, a club, or the environment, but when you have a player that in uh, five, ten euros, millions, millions euros in front, who has done what science theoretically theoretically says, and has re injury four times, that's often my case. You have to find what's the cause of the injury, and usually, usually is not only one. I, for example, change my treatment a lot depending on what I find in the screening and characteristic. Uh, of the player of the sports of my players. If not, the work of the physiotherapist would not make sense and we could send treatments by mail, Twitter as, Twitter, as some do, or by phone. But for me, to treat an injury of this type is the art of understanding what the player needs and the cause of his injury or injuries. Well, we're very excited to have you out and, and hear that sort of work from you, so that's fantastic stuff. Um, we're going to delve a little bit now into, I guess, your knowledge in around the space that you've just talked about. Can you tell us some key components to your approach to hamstring rehabilitation? Yeah, I think that uh, it can be applied uh, for hamstring uh, uh, quads or groin rehabs or ACL2. I think that uh, our approach is based is injury mechanisms based, first of all. It should be customized for individual characteristics and context. That means that uh, depending, for example, of the uh, lumbar tolerance to compression shear forces, we have to individualize our treatment on hamstrings, for example, or according to the, uh, to the player hip morphology or architecture, we will do some things and not others. And as I say, we have to adapt to, to the individual and to their sport, okay? We have to know, we have to be a sport expert and know what are the demands, what are the structural adaptations, etc., etc. And first, and to finish, a periodization. I think that the three per 10 reps and do every day the same content, don't think that uh, it will be close to success. For us, sequencing and mixing the contents is very important in this kind of injuries. And I think that, uh, that uh, it's not um, very, very analyzed, uh, at least in, in, science, in scientist, uh, scientific literature, sorry. What are some common errors you see in hamstring rehabilitation? For me, uh, it's, I don't know if it's good or not, but I don't see uh, first hamstring injuries, never. They only come with three, four, five injuries. And you know what they have in common? All they do, especially mostly of their program, are eccentrics. And they become re-injured and re-injured and re-injured three, four, five times. That's why I think, like I think now, 
that I have to give an answer or try to to find another cause of their injuries. And I guarantee you that uh, in 90% of, of these cases, these re injury cases, is not a strength because they have worked a lot. It's the main thing that they that they did in the rehab. Many times, clinicians forget about the person in front of that or in front of them. Okay, and perform exercises that will apply to everyone, ignoring their particular characteristics and contexts. We have, we have, like I say, we have to become experts not only in the injury but in the sport they perform. Know what is normal or not if we compare with other athletes, uh, sport demands, sport adaptations, and apply to our to our player. This is one main one, and the second one. Again, uh, could be periodization. Apart from adapting to the player, I am struck by the lack of periodization of content, mixing in the same session things that are not compatible and, in my opinion, can be uh, harmful. And I think that uh, these two main uh, weaknesses or, or yes, so things to, to improve are very, very important. How would you periodize the hamstring program? Yeah, for example, we think that um, uh, strength content that is acyclic is very different from from uh, sprinting mechanics and kinematics and uh, and type of exercise where where you know that the sprinting is a cyclic exercise that. Uh, uh, energy is transferred from one leg to the other, then both legs interacts, then that's not happen during the strength. Then for us, it's very different uh, type of, uh, of activity. And um, for example, we try to, to don't mix in the, in the same session. If you can read the, the algorithm that, uh, that we published in, in medicine and science, you can see that, uh, that's one of the novelties that uh, in the regeneration phase, you can see that they are three, uh, they are blocks of three days. In, uh, our main day is sprinting and sprinting related activities. Second day is strength. And third day is used for, for other things like flexibility or lumbar pelvic control activities or, or massages. And then in order to start as uh, healthy and, and uh, non-fatigued, again, the first day, that is sprinting. Then this uh, periodization is made based in experience, but based in physiology, because uh, we want to recover from this first uh, and risky day that is sprinting. And that can be applied for, for all the rehab injuries, all the rehabilitation of different types of injuries. If, let's say, your football club needs to run uh, three or four times a week, uh, how does that work in with, with your protocol? Is there a certain time frame when you say, oh, that's, that's it, complete, and they start just normal training, or do you slowly integrate them into doing more sprint sessions a week? Like I say, the context is very, very important. For me, a, a prevention or rehab program is not going to have success if it's go if it's done in an isolated way, you know, 
you have to take in account the characteristics of your player, just aerobic, uh, anaerobic, uh, all the all the things that you want. You have to have to take in account his structure, but you have to take in account his sport and what he he does or his uh, his club does uh, every week in order to to train the athlete. You have all of this in account. You will be more close to success. And of course, you have to integrate to what the massage or massage therapist will do too, depending on the adaptation of this player to the club type of coaching or training. Then, of course, taking all of this in account, I will fill the gaps depending of, of his type of training or sprinting or, or, or the gaps of, of a strength or other weaknesses or areas but always adapted to my player and to his training methods. Just like to take a moment there to thank our podcast episode sponsor. That's IMU Measure. IMU Step is a lower load limb monitoring tool that delivers external and internal workload metrics to running sports athletes. It enables precise, actionable insights captured by small, synchronized, high-frequency sensors supported with beautiful and functional mobile and desktop apps. Visit imumeasure.com.au for more information to see how IMU Step can help your athletes back to performance. Now, Jordan, there's been a recent fair bit of work and talk around power force velocity profiling. Now, what relevance does this have to hamstring injury rehabilitation? And can you explain power force velocity profiling to us? Yeah, like we said, for us, the spring mechanisms, mechanisms are very important for us. Why? Because uh, the spring represents the biggest mechanisms of injury. And that's why sprinting represents, for us, the core aspect of our rehabilitation process. Even that, up to 2015, only single joint strength measurements were used to assess hamstring function. And that is in what I was occupied and worried for years until finally our group, leading by J.B. Morin, were able to measure it. Why the injury mechanism was not measured as in other pathologies? That was my everyday question until 2015. Then, after several research studies, where we showed that the horizontal force was a mechanical determinant of performance, performance, and that at the muscular level, the hamstring seems the most important muscles to produce this force, we think that evaluating the sprint is essential. If it represents the injury mechanism, we have to uh, measure it. Well, recently, a simple field method has been proposed by Pierre Samosino from our group to quantify mechanical properties of sprinting from a macroscopic biomechanical model. The model model requires only time and velocity measurements during a single sprint, which can be considered an economical and valid alternative to biomechanical lab testing and present less than 5% absolute bias compared with gold standard force plates. We can take from this measurement speed time curves that are very well fitted by a simple exponential equation. When a human 
or even an animal accelerates from zero, zero to top speed, it has a mathematical behavior. And this is cool because you can replace the actual, the actual measurement by a mathematical equation and obtain velocity if you derivate acceleration and then obtain the force, power, etc. Since mechanical power is the product of force and velocity, the slope of the linear force-velocity relationship may indicate the relative importance of force and velocity qualities in determining the maximal power output during sprinting and the individual force-velocity profile of each subject. Then you can adjust your training methods according to the individual profile of each athlete and see if one athlete needs improved his force profile or his velocity profile and then maximize the time the time to at the same time rehabilitate the player and improve improve their performance now in in your experience do you find generally speaking Athletes coming back from hamstring injuries, uh, deficit. You, you find a general deficit in one or the other, or does it really just vary depending on the athlete? Yeah, Nick, a very good question. Uh, we have a, uh, a couple of uh, papers related to that. One is uh, with uh, All Black Sevens from uh, from New Zealand. Another for a football player from Spanish Liga. Uh, what? I can say with this and my experience is that uh, maximal velocity is not a problem. They are able to achieve it. But the problem is that they are not able to generate force at lower speed at the beginning of the acceleration phase. Okay. Now, how, Jordan, would you address that in your rehabilitation if yeah, that was the case? That's why, that's why we measured force-velocity profiles, because according to the results of our, of our assessment, for example, it has been shown show, uh, that to improve the F0, for example, sleds at high weights uh, are good to improve this F0. There is uh, some work from Matt, uh, Matt Cross and, and J.B. Morin showing that, and there are other option that we are trying to to prove and that I will show in in the lectures that uh, to increase B0 that it's much more difficult use assisted sprinting or the of decline uh, decline running can make some difference or or improvements on B0. If you were using what general percentage of body weight do you use when doing resist, resisted sled running? And it may vary, obviously, to, uh, athlete to athlete, but do you have a rough guide for the listeners? There is a lot of controversy now uh, about uh, heavier, heavier sleds or slighter sleds, uh, but uh, it has been shown that in order to increase F0, sleds uh, until 80% of body weight are good to increase the F0, but uh, you can start from... Uh, 40, 50 percent of body weight, and it has been shown increases in pilot studies uh, about this F0 force that it's that it's related to the force at the beginning of the acceleration phase. Of course, it has been shown that increased contact time when you do it, but uh, when you test uh, sprinting after that, after an intervention of six weeks, uh, you can see 
improvements in, in this parameter. Perfect. I will look forward to hearing more um, about that, I guess, at, at your lectures. Now, Jordan, um, my final question for today is uh, who are some of your biggest influences on your career? And following on from that, who would you like to hear in one of our next podcasts? Uh, I think that, for example, Tinkiewicz is and was ahead of his time and was the most innovative man that has uh, guided us in the ACL injury rehab and prevention. I had the opportunity to, to see how he and his team worked at Cincinnati and influenced me greatly, a lot. Another one is Stuart McGill and Jacek Cholewicki work that I have uh, the pressure to, to see to. With the knowledge of engineering, we're able to measure things like uh, index of stability of lumbar joint, etc. That seemed impossible. They were breakers. Another privileged man that I have the pressure to to know and work in is uh, Jean Benoit Morin. Always uh, uh, proposing different things, uh, innovative things, and he has, uh, like I say, you a privileged mind. And uh, another one about the podcast that you say, I cannot deny that. Uh, Craig Purdan was a reference that mixed as a, as I like field practice and research, and inclusively it made me very happy to know that he mentioned and referencing me in his talks, and I really want to meet him and talk to him in person. Then, then there in 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 Sydney, and uh, we'll be very happy to to hear his podcast, of course. Fantastic. Uh, hopefully we can get Craig Purdom on for a bit of a chat as well. But uh, we'll leave it there today, Jordan, and we really appreciate your time. Your knowledge and, and the information you provide down to clinicians is second to none. And we are very excited again to have you in Australia. And for those who are attending the privileged few, um, I'm sure they'll really enjoy the couple of masterclasses and there are only very limited tickets remaining to these events. So for those keen to jump on board, visit www.sportsmat.com.au and register ASAP to avoid missing out. So thanks again, Jordan. Okay, uh, you're welcome. Thank you too much. Uh, the privilege is mine and then I'll see you and I hope to see you soon. Thank you.